Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 This is the Bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio, Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday This is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Klein, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, bearded dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you couldn't. Now look at that doctor, homie. Fuck that. Black me. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. Because, Jay, you're a full-grown man, and I've noticed, like, through your social media, you've been in the gym, bro. I- I've seen it. First off, rest in peace, the, the greatest boxer of all time, Muhammad Ali. And, um, you know, it's a shame he, he's gone. This has been a hell of a year for legends disappearing, you know what I mean? Um, you know, he's suffered for a long time, so it's kind of one of those bittersweet situations because, you know, the life that he was forced to lead, you know, through his Parkinson's and everything um, – you know, everything he was dealing with through the years turned him into what he was not. Um, Muhammad Ali, you know, more so even though than the greatest boxer ever, he was one of the most outspoken, you know, figures, icons, um, you know, just of all, of all time. I mean, he um, made himself well, well known, and, you know, whatever he was about, whatever he was going for, you would know all about how he felt about it. And, uh, you know, he, he, unfortunately, when his health took that turn, he, he ended up having to kind of be somewhat of a recluse, uh, you know, recluse. They, he had to 
kind of be to himself. There wasn't a lot of, you know, public stuff he could do. And, I mean, he was able to go out, do signings, do appearances, this and that. But, I mean, can you imagine if Muhammad Ali was able to keep all of his faculties through his whole life? You imagine the type of speeches that dude would have been given on every single thing that happened, given the opportunity. So it's a shame because he was forced to live a shell of his former self you know, for so many years. Um, but either way, you know, rest in peace to Muhammad Ali. Like I said, um, I mean, his he was he was prolific, beyond prolific. I mean, it, the dude, you know, one of the things that a lot of people try to throw on him and bash him about is this draft dodger thing, which, yeah, man, he refused to go in there. But can you imagine if, like, this day and age, they decided to demand that every citizen under a certain age or within a certain age group no matter whether they were in Hollywood, no matter if they were, you know, uh, Floyd Mayweather, no matter if they were who, you know, how many motherfuckers would be out of there? How many people would just suit up and head out? You know what I mean? Um, it, it's difficult because, you know, on one side, obviously, the people who served the country, you know, gave us the freedom that we have today. On the other side of things, it's like, you know, well, his, his thing was, look, like, I don't have a problem with them. Like, they didn't do anything to me. And you want me to go over there and kill them? And I don't have a problem with, like, they didn't do anything to me. And, you know, he, he you know, had some pretty strong stances on, you know, the things that were going on as far as um, the, the racial injustices and the different things that were going on. And, you know, people being treated unfairly and then all just kind of lumped in the same group. Like, all right, now everybody go fight for the country. So, you know, he wasn't down with it. And I just... I can't imagine taking a guy like him and just classifying that as what he all was. He's a draft dodger. That's it. Come on, man. He's Muhammad Ali. And, um, I mean, uh, there's not a lot I could say about the dude just because what else hasn't been said about Muhammad Ali? Uh, You know, the most iconic. um, And, and honestly, the, the guy who brought showmanship to boxing. The guy, you know, one of the only guys who had that over-the-top arrogance and backed up every fucking bit of it. You, you know, you don't you don't see that many times. You'll find plenty of arrogant motherfuckers, but you won't find quite the um, the the ability to match that arrogance. It's few and far between until you, you run into a guy like Muhammad Ali, and he he knew what he had, man. Holy shit, he backed it up, you know, and uh, it's crazy. But like I said, another icon, another absolute legend gone um, this year. It's crazy. Um, I'm not one of these, oh, 2016 sucked. I'm not one of those dudes, man. It's going to happen when it's going to happen. And if anything else, it should just be, you know, a constant reminder to everybody that nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. So go out there and beat the shit out of every one of these days, man. Go out there, don't do anything half speed, fucking go all out because, man, nobody's fucking guaranteed shit. So whether you're Prince, Muhammad Ali, or um, Joe Smith, you know what I mean? You you ain't guaranteed tomorrow. And you, you can hope to make a mark of the likes of a Prince or a Muhammad Ali, but those um, those don't come easy. Either way, you can make a mark in a lot of facets of life and, and um, you know, make the shit count for yourself and those around you. So, um, that, you know, that's what's up. Um, then uh, just the other night, 
to uh, Kimbo Slice passed away. Um, here's a dude, um, you know, not not quite the same story as Muhammad Ali. Uh, you know, a lot of rougher rougher things going on there. And um, hey, man, you know, he became like an internet sensation. Um, you know, with the fucking backyard fights, and this dude was just knocking dudes the fuck out. And um, you know, I, you could tell, you know, by the the aggression of that dude and his power, his strength. You know, he really he really missed, you know, his window. Uh, obviously, he got into the MMA late, and he, you know, he tried to do what he could here and there, but. I mean, you know, he spent all that time. He spent some time locked up and all that stuff. And I think that's some of the time that that was his prime window. That if if he would have got himself, you know, schooled and he would have got himself, you know, trained professionally and really got up into the, you know, into the circuit and really started boxing straight up because boxing was his deal, man. Like down the road, he learned some MMA and you know, how to grapple and all this. But man, he was a fucking he was a boxer. So um, it would have been great to have seen him, you know, really, you know, fundamentally trained and really get on the circuit and see what kind of mark he could have made because I, I think that that dude had had some fucking serious, serious uh, capabilities, man. And, um, you know, we really got him up into the, the professional side of things way late. And, um, you know, it's a shame. He was definitely um, a dude that stood the fuck out of the crowd and, um, you know, with instant money. Because you saw what he brought to the table, and it was just like, whoa, fuck. Did you see that Kimbo Slice cat? You know, that dude would just stand the fuck out. And, um, you know, man, that, it's a shame that his last fight was that Dada 3000, whatever the fuck that guy's name is. Um, you know, because that shit looked like the two of them were fucking tranquilized, like, like someone darted both of them, but it wasn't enough to take them down. And that's how the whole fight looked. Is like they were both just like dragging himself at each other and shit. It was fucking crazy. Um, terrible, terrible fight. But um, yeah, that's a shame. Rest in peace, Jimbo. And um, yeah, that's that's that. Um, let me see what else I got. Um, Jersey All Pro returns to Bayonne on October first. The tickets go on sale Friday. Um, you know, within the next coming weeks, you know, possibly next week, we'll have Pierre on. And, um, you know, we'll talk about a couple of the matches. You know, nothing's uh, nothing's set in stone just yet other than the date and when the tickets are going to go on sale. But they return to Bayonne um, October 1st, like I said. And, um, you know, we'll talk about some of the matches and different things that are going on and, you know, how, it, how it's been, you know. Uh, you know, uh, after Fat Frank's passing, man, I know, you know, from talking to Pierre, it is very, very difficult and then, you don't even have to be personally friends with the guy to know that. I mean, that's that's a that's a given that you know a guy that was so so beloved as Fat Frank and had so much passion for what he did. Um, you know, to continue doing a company without him, without that fucking that flagship, you know, um, you know, pretty tough. I mean, it, it, tough doesn't even put words to it. I mean, it's it's near impossible. Um, you got to figure that doing this type of thing, continuing on with it, is for no other reason. But Frank wouldn't want it gone. So, um, you know, and it's crazy. Um, I, I was I was a Jersey All Pro fan for years. Um, the kind of catch twenty two there was I was a bigger CZW fan, 
always was a CCW fan from 2001 on, and then you know went back with the with the tapes and saw everything they did previous. And if I missed the show, I'd catch that shit. I've seen every CCW show that's happened. Um, they were not friends. <laughs> they were not a a friendly company. So for a good while, man, I was um. I like Jersey All-Pro, but I sure was team CZW. So there wasn't, like, a smile on my face when, uh, you know, Frank would say the shit he said, you know, would say about Zandig. And, you know, they, they were at war, man. And the thing was is, you know, Frank was a fucking a proud, proud dude, as he should have been, of his company, just like John Zandig was. Very, very similar. I don't know if John would ever admit that. You know, I'll have to ask him next time I have him on the show. But I, I think very similar. You know, maybe not in styles and this and that, but um, just very stubborn, <laughs> very fucking aggressive about their business, and not scared of anybody. You know, Zandig would run with fucking Ring of Honor right up the road. Fat Frank would run with fucking Cage of Death on the same night. You didn't give a fuck, man. And that's one thing, you know, in, in you know, when all the dust settles and you look at both of those guys and how they ran their fucking company, you got to respect what both of those guys were doing because they didn't give a fuck. They, they believed in their product as the number one thing no matter what else was running. And, you know, I mean, it, it really showed, you know, in their product. And, and you see the stars that came out of, out of both products. So, um, you know, over time I've become, you know, way, way closer, especially, you know, more recently since Frank's passing with um, Pierre, super, super cool dude. And, um, yeah, it's um, it's crazy how everything changes. And, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll have Pierre on. We'll talk some more about it. But um, Jersey All-Pro, back in Bayonne. And um, they've announced two dates. And the other date isn't announced yet. I think Saturday that date's going to be announced. But, um, you know, Hasn't been one since last year, so you got to figure that's the uh, the old annual right there. Should be a big one. Um, so yeah, so that's that. Um, let me see. You know, I think I'm gonna take a quick break, come back, and then I'm gonna cover that um that tournament of survival, man. I got a uh, got a lot to say about that, and you know, figure I'll do a little separate this from that type deal. Uh. Get this. Uh, all right. Somebody about to be punished. Punished. Rest in peace to my nigga Izzy. Izzy. Rest in peace to my nigga Jay Diller. Rest in peace to my nigga Jay Diller. Rest in peace to my nigga Jay Diller. Diller. Love y'all niggas, man. Watch what I do in honor in your name. Streets, feel me. Check it, check it. Nick Boogie. I'm nice with the lamp, peel your edges like slices of bread. Precise, become a poltergeist, sticking knives inside of your head. What's the issue? Wanna roll like a roller toilet? You tissue, I continue to expose you niggas that's so superficial. I strip you, yo, a bitch, you worry, then blow like a missile. Once I blow the whistle, motherfuck, may the forces be with you. Come with a style, I'm wild, I pile up my money so kosher, then call up my sofa. Fucking bitches, and back in the rover, then bounce in the copa. Bag of bitches outside of the Costa Rica area. Love with my features and carry my posters. Commissioner! <laughs> 
niggas can't fuck with me. I'm presented, I submitted you, changing your flow up while helping you grow up. Niggas know you for soundness, so toe up. Challenging niggas, better hold on the banister, niggas. Fuck around, I stuff your body parts in the canister, niggas. Like you don't know the half, I bust your motherfucking ass. Bust a bust cash and papoose is fucking psychopath. Zandig's 
you know, era and, and what he brought to the table. This was the long-awaited return. I had never been to um, Game Changer World in Howell before, um, but I was definitely excited to because, first off, it's 45 minutes from my house. So I can't be happier with the location of shows there because, fuck, man, that is a, a delight, that type of trip. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, we used to go two hours to Philly every month and, you know, that type of deal. And, um yeah, that's that's fucking awesome. So, um, and there are people who came from you know across the country to go to this thing. So, I'm pretty uh pretty fortunate to have this be a venue, especially if it continues to be the go-to place for this type of stuff. Um, you know, initially too, I was pretty skeptical because you know years ago the whole thing came down in Jersey. You couldn't do shit in Jersey anymore. It became you couldn't do anything. Um, I know you know they had the problems with Whitman. And then, um, you know, <laughs> CZW really kind of twisted the knife on that. Um, they, you know, I know they had some hearings and stuff, and, you know, Zandig was there, and Frank was there, and all that stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, like they told them, you can't use light tubes inside. <laughs> and they said, oh, they said it couldn't be done and did it the first ever in the United States 200 light tube match outside. It's <laughs> like right outside the same building. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they always kind of fucking twisted the life. The night they made fucking shirts that said, you know, uh, you know, new rules, new attitude, fuck New Jersey, uh, and uh, I think they had fuck Whitman shirts. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, again, it was that no back down, fuck you attitude, and um, you know, it became where when they moved to Philly, man, you couldn't do shit in Jersey, you couldn't do barbed wire, you couldn't do anything. Now, you know, we've noticed over time that things have loosened up a little bit as far as, you know, they'd be able to do barbed wire but no glass. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, a pane of glass here and there. CDW within the past, you know, couple of years have worked like light tube spots that, you know, hey, like three light tubes here or four light tubes there. And it was like real like, it, it was real handcuffed. It, it was so sterilized that they might as well not sound like you. That, for me, you know, I mean, um, to a lot of other people, shit, it got a great reaction when they pulled those light tubes out of the thing at Cage of Death with, uh, with uh, Sozio and G's and Busick and uh, Gulak, I think that was before. Um, you know, when they pulled those light tubes out of that thing, it was like, holy shit, you know, got a big reaction because it was gone for so long. So, me, I was skeptical, man. They were calling for, you know, everybody bring as many fucking light tubes as you can. Bring anything you want. Bring, bring, bring. You know, and um, and they did a ton of shit last year at the, um, whatever the fuck that was, um, the Nick Cage Invitational. And uh, it still kind of had the, the aura of, like, don't tell anyone where you saw this. You're not really supposed to do this type shit. So I don't know, man. I don't know, you know, what the ramifications are, are exactly what the laws are at the moment, but they were going into this as if that shit was fucking, you know, like they were holding a motherfucking birthday party. Like, it, it was just fucking bring it on, motherfucker. We're doing a deathmatch tournament. And I'm I'm all for it. Of course, like I said, a little skeptical going in like that. They're really going to pull this off? And fucking pull it off they did, man. Um 
So, you know, we get there. Again, never been there before. Um, you know, some people complained about, you know, it was a $5 parking fee. Get the fuck out of here. Who gets, it's five fucking dollars. It's not that fucking serious. You know, there's there's uh, some fucking parking that we've had to park, you know, a quarter mile away from the fucking building. And, um, you know, uh, there, there were some places in Philly where you had to find parking on the fucking street and then walk the fucking dirty-ass streets of Philly all the way to fucking building, sit in there for two hours, three hours, and then, you know, hope everything's all right with your car when you get back. Man, who gives five fucking dollars? Get over it, man. It's not that serious. Sure, you'd rather it wasn't five dollars, but fucking five is not a serious deal. I mean, if they're charging 20 for parking in the back of a building, eh, yeah, maybe you start to go, "Ah, what the fuck? But again, too, you know, a lot of these people, not a lot of people are rolling in there with just themselves in the car. So if you got four motherfuckers in the car and you can't split a $5 fee, man, I don't know what the fuck kind of shit you got going on, you know? So I, I don't know. I mean, it, it was what it was. Um, the other complaint that people had was it was announced as BYOB, and I guess when they got there, that wasn't the case, whatever. Um, I've been sober for almost three years, so I don't give a motherfuck if people could drink or not. I'm not, like, against it or whatever. I, I find it kind of funny, the people who get all fucking wasted, which I'll get my fill of that on Saturday with these fucking gutter snipes that fucking hang out at the tournament of death. This shit is fucking hilarious. I'm going to try to film some of these fucking, these gargoyles um, on Saturday because it, it's fucking, it's comical, man. They They drink like it's the last time they're ever going to be able to drink. And I used to be one of those motherfuckers, man. I would forget half the fucking tournament. You know what I mean? <laughs> the next day, I'd have to look at the results. And go, oh, yeah. Okay. You know, and shit, man. The one year, um, fuck, I forget what tournament that was. But I must have took four fucking pictures with um, Takeda. Every time I fucking saw him, I was like, let me get a picture. Let me. I got like four fucking pictures with him that day and didn't remember one of the other pictures that I got with him. He was fucking nice as shit and kept taking pictures with me, but motherfucker, if I remembered taking, you know, the last picture with him, fucking insanity, man. But, yeah, so whatever about the, you know, uh, BYOB or not, I don't, I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? If they can drink, let them drink. If they can't, they can't. You know, a lot of venues don't allow drinking at all. So it is what it is. You know, that's the thing, too. I don't want to get off on the crazy fucking tangent here about the the drinking, but part of why I realized, you know, I had a problem and, and why I wanted to go completely substance-free when I went, you know, off the drinking. I wasn't going to just smoke weed instead and this and that. Because, you know, first off, I have that type of personality where moderation is not a fucking option. The other thing is, is, like, when you realize, dude, there is a fucking deathmatch tournament going on in front of you. But you're like, I got to get really fucked up to watch this shit that I'm really going to enjoy. Or, oh, this new movie came out. And I, and I really want to see it, but I got to go get really fucked up first. Well, why would you need to get fucked up if you wanted to see this shit? So, but, you know what I mean? Like, there's certain shit you start to think about after, you know, at least for me. It, that That's how I felt about it. You know, when I, everything was said and done, it was like, why the fuck did I need to go get so fucked up over something that I really wanted to do? You know what I mean? And half the time, wouldn't even remember the shit that I was looking forward to. Fucking nutty. But anyway, that's not everybody. It's just uh, my issue that I had and everything else. So, you know, moving on. But like I said, um, is what it is. Didn't really affect me any. Um, 
you know, you can't bring any any kind of drink in. That's fine. I thought it was kind of funny. I guess, you know, they're worried about people mixing drinks or shit. But, um, you know, when <laughs> we're standing there waiting in line, and I see this guy, we're up front. see this guy, he's got a Sprite that he bought in the building. And he goes to leave the building, and the woman goes, if you leave with that, you can't bring it back in. And I'm just sitting there talking shit, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that soda's dead to us. You leave, you leave with that soda. We don't know where that soda came from. You go fuck yourself with that soda. You know, like it was just funny to me because, like, it clearly got it there. I guess yeah, you can go fill it with fucking vodka and you know walk back in. But um, yeah, it, it, I just it just struck me as funny. Um, they did get a little silly with it. You know, I guess people would try to smuggle shit in, especially. Um, I walked back in with two t-shirts, and she <laughs> she took the t-shirts and like shook them like. You know, like an eight ball of Coke was gonna fall out of him or something. I don't know what she's looking for, but it's like, yeah, shake the shirts all you want. <laughs> all right, you know, all good though. I mean, it, you know, they're not like fingering you in the asshole like they do in the fucking Flyers Gate Zone. So uh, I don't give a fuck, man. It, like I said, so um, on to the show. Um, show started out. You know, first off, the venue's awesome. I, you know, I went in there. It's nice, fucking spacious. Um. I heard a bunch of people compa- complaining because they said it was air-conditioned, this and that, and I guess it was, but I don't know if it was pumping full blast or whatever the case was. People were bitching about being hot. It's just, motherfucker, how about the outside deathmatch tournaments that, you know, they're pouring water on the ring in between matches because it's that fucking hot, and the black mat is fucking, you know, burning people's back when they're they're landing on it and shit. You know, let's talk about hot, Then You'll be begging for the fucking game-changer world fans and the indoor. And it is, stop it, man. Fucking settle down. So um, I, I like the venue a lot. Um, you know, they had the ring tucked over there in the corner, but plenty of fucking room in that building. And, um, yeah, it just, just had a really good vibe. Um, you know, good lighting and all that. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I liked it. Um, so, anyway, the the first round started. And it was uh, Masada taking on Brian Woods in no real barbed wire match. Now, you know, my feelings on Brian Woods is this. Let me let me just say this right off the bat. Um, I think the guy's fucking insane. Um, he does crazy, crazy, uh, almost unnecessary. Well, not even almost. Definitely unnecessary shit. Um, for instance, King of the Death match last year. Um I mean, the dude, you know, he did the whole thing where he let uh, J.D. Har rip out his fucking eyebrow ring, which I think they did again this year uh, with Masada. Um, but, like, you know, he got eliminated from the tournament, and then day two in a non-tournament match, dude took the fucking weed whacker to the stomach. Like, fucking bad. Like, real bad he took the fucking weed whacker to the stomach. And... um and then uh, he took, like, a fucking light tube log cabin joint. Like, you know, just all, like, non-tournament was like, dude, what the fuck, man? Like, you really got to, like, <laughs> you know, have, have a just not give a fuck type of attitude. Um, I know, you know, last year when the shit went down after that, and then he hurt his knee, and uh, he started, like, the whole GoFundMe campaigns. And it really started to get to me because, you know, those type of things are, are rough. 
you know, when you if you're gonna you're gonna be a crazy, not give a fuck wrestler and risk every bit of your body, but then immediately turn to the fans when you hurt yourself. Well, then, dude, I don't want you fucking wrestling because I'm not gonna pay your doctor bill. I mean, it, you know, it sucks, but that that that's kind of what it is to me. You know, what I mean, like I'm let's just put this right out on the table. I you know I'm not paying anyone's fucking doctor bill that isn't my is my children. You know what I mean? So when it comes down to it, if that's what you're going to fall back on, if you blow your knee out or, you know, if you take some fucking serious shit, look, man, I'm going to buy the tickets. I'm going to fucking, you know, if I like what you're doing, I like your shirt, you know, I'll buy a T-shirt or something like that. That's kind of where I begin and end, man. You know, maybe a DVD. Well, I don't really buy DVDs anymore. Um, But you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's my level of support. You know, beyond that, you kind of got to figure out some other shit in your life. So it gets irritating to me, you know, when people go on the the begging side of things, and it really it really started to irritate me. So I couldn't like I couldn't keep him on my Facebook or anything like that because he was really pouring it on with that. I I think I saw at least two different GoFundMe campaigns. One was like his electric was being turned off, and another one was for his knee, and it was just like you know all right enough, dude, you know. Do what you want to do. I just, I just don't feel like dealing with this, you know, consistent like begging campaign coming out of the dude. So, I, I just didn't have a good feeling about the dude as far as that goes. I mean, he could be a fantastic fucking dude, you know. Personally, I, I don't know him like that, but I just, I don't like the GoFundMe shit. So, so that, that I kind of just like felt that about the dude. Um, other than that, like I said. I think, like, you know, when people ask about him as far as, like, a deathmatch tournament goes, I go, fuck yeah, because the dude, he's crazy as shit. So, I mean, you get a bunch of people in the building for a deathmatch tournament, you ask, like, who, hey, man, we want to have somebody do this fucking crazy-ass spot. Who's willing to do it? His fucking hand's going to fly up in the air. You know, this this is a dude that's going to go to bat for your company. He's going to go all out, and, you know, he's going to give you – what you're looking for as far as, you know, the, the risk-taking and, and doing what he can to put his, his shit out there, you know, put himself on the line, so to speak. So, um, you know, I, I, I think he's a good guy for these type of things, for sure. Um, I, I could definitely say as well, like, he, he has gotten in worse shape than he was last year. You know, this, this time last year, he's king of the death match, and, you know, he wasn't fucking chiseled or anything like that, but he was in better shape than he is this year, and for whatever reason, he got smaller gear. So he got, like, fucking tight tights, you know, like, like the fucking, uh, you know, the box of brief tights, and fucking, uh, yeah, man, I, you know, I don't know why you'd go that route, man. Um, so, hey, it is what it is. Um. The other thing about this is no rope barbed wire matches kind of have a ceiling to me. Um, best no rope barbed wire match I've ever seen, fucking Zandig Lobo. Um, another fantastic one, um, J.C. Bailey and fucking um, Necro Butcher, uh, Ultraviolet Underground. Um, Nick Gage, Nick Mondo, fucking amazing. Um, you know what I mean? Like, there's ones that, that really, really stand out, but there's kind of a ceiling on the different things you could do in a no rope or wire match. I really think that they're limited, very limited. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of those trademark spots, you know, the backing up into the ropes and then, you know, um, you know, I 
mean, fucking Zandig Weissbeater is another fucking insane fucking no rope barbed wire. I mean, there's a lot of them that are good. I don't dislike no rope barbed wire matches. Um, like, uh, I hate staple gun matches. I hate, uh, oh, what else do I fucking hate? I know, um, the staple gun matches I can't stand. Um, Taipei, I don't like Taipei. Um, unless there's a bunch of other shit, but I, I think it limits you when you start with the glass on the fist. But uh, but I don't know. Um, so so this wasn't my favorite match. This just wasn't. Um, you know, like I said, Woods is a guy. He could do a lot of shit. He's a big fucking dude, and you know he's willing to really you know go all out. Um, Masada is one of the best deathmatch wrestlers in the world. So you know I I don't really blame it on the guys, so to speak. Um, I just, just didn't think this one came off as good. Um, maybe maybe it's because, you know, some of the things that followed it was just so fucking amazing that, you know, it paled in comparison. But, you know, a uh, fine opener. But, again, you know, I mean, a deathmatch tournament, you're not really supposed to run it opener-wise, you know, like a, you know, a lighter match at the tournament. So, uh, I don't know. But either way, Um I've seen better out of both of these guys. Let's just say that. Um, and, and the stipulation might have changed everything. Um, next up was Scott Summers versus Joker. And this was like a tax match. Thumbtacks, fucking uh, tack bats, uh, tack computer screens, computer keyboard, the whole deal. Um, this was a match that not only before did I hear a lot of people saying that, but after I heard a lot of people saying that, that this would have been just as good, if not better, without weapons. This, you know, this is the match you want to see main event a fucking card. Period. Just buy it fucking self. No stipulations. Let these two kick the living shit out of each other. And just fucking... That's it, man. And blow the fucking roof off. Because they're very capable of that. And this match started out like that. No weapons, just fucking brutality. Obviously, it's a deathmatch tournament. I'm not criticizing them for using weapons in the deathmatch tournament. I'm just saying, like, these dudes, they, you know, laid the groundwork and just really started to put it down for just an absolute classic fucking match. These two would just put down a fucking slugfest between, you know, back and forth. And it it, it was, um, you know, two warriors colliding in that fucking ring. And, um, unfortunately, during the match, um, Scott Summers broke his ankle really bad. And, uh, he did it on a DVD, and I don't even think that was the last move. But, um, you know, they finished up, and, uh, Scott Summers won, so he was set to advance. But, obviously, couldn't advance because he he broke his ankle really, really bad. So, you know, I wish Scott, uh... A quick recovery. Uh, you know, I had him on leading up to the show, and I had him on a couple of years ago too. And um, and you know, he's just a great dude, great fucking wrestler. Um, you know, he's not just a deathmatch guy; he's a bad motherfucker. And uh, I I want to see that guy back on the East Coast as much as possible when he's back and healthy, man. Like, like I said, he's one of those guys. He's got that charisma. He's got that fucking aura about him. And he could fucking go. So he's he's a guy that you main event. You know, you put a fucking title on a guy like that and dare anybody to take it off of him. You know what I mean? Like that 
that's one of those fucking guys. And Joker, you know, what can you say about Joker, man? He, he's a bad motherfucker. He's stepped up to everything that's been put in front of him and, and just knocked it down. Joker's a guy who doesn't work a lot of places. He refuses to work for DJ, as he said last week. You know, fuck DJ. You can't stand him. You're not going to see him in a CZW ring again. You know, he's done with that. Um, you know, he has some pretty good shit going on in Jersey All-Pro, so hopefully they're going to be able to build forward with that and, you know, do some big shit with him in Jersey All-Pro because, um, yeah, that's a place where he could really hit a lot of, uh, you know, I guess you'd say dream matches, you know, for the fans or him, you know, whatever the case may be. He could work a lot of guys he hasn't really been in there before because it's kind of a new new roster, new scene. So, um, you know, looking forward to see what he does in Jersey All-Pro, too. Um, but, yeah, these two fucking tore it up, man. It's a fucking shame. The injuries were rough, man. This was a tournament of survival, and not everybody survived, man. There was fucking injuries across the board. The thing is, is this this tournament held that, that Zandig aura. And, and a lot of people don't understand that. They just think that you can have death matches, and it's, well, it's fucking death match and death matches are dangerous and that's what it was. It was a fucking death match. So why, you know, what are you talking about, Zandy? Or I'm telling you that there's a certain amount of just like a, to a certain extent, I want to say danger, uh, you know, a feeling of uncertainty or danger or unpredictability. You know what I mean? That type of shit is what Zandig brought to the table for me. He did something where it wasn't just, you didn't see everything coming. He was real fucking good with surprises, real good with just fucking, you know, um, innovating. Innovating and doing shit that was really going to bring that reaction out of the crowd and keep you coming back because you want to see what was going to go on next. A lot of the stuff that goes on, like in CCW, I'm not looking forward to what happens next because, Chances are what happens next is going to be the same shit you just saw. That's that's DJ's style is just doing the same shit over and over and over and then, you know, patting himself on the back for it. He, he has no room for improvement as far as what he's trying to do. And then if he does something and he doesn't execute it well as far as a booking or bringing in guys that people are really looking for, if he does something uncreative with them, and then they don't get a great reaction. He goes, well, you know, people wanted him, and then they brought him in, and, like, I didn't get the reaction I thought, so I'm not bringing those guys back. That, like, that's how he does it. He doesn't take any personal responsibility for his own bookings. Um, you, you put guys in the right spots and then allow them to get to the reaction that, um, you know, do something innovative. And that's something John Zandig has always been fucking awesome at. Um, next up was Viking versus John Wayne Murdoch, and you know this is so hard to believe that this is this is the same Viking that I saw years ago IWS when they brought in the, the IWS guys and it was Damien and Viking, and you looked at the two Damien was the little guy and Viking was the fat guy. You will not look at Viking today and know that this guy was a fat guy. I mean he he doesn't even strike you as that. You would think if. If there was, like, a fat guy, skinny guy tag team back in the day and this guy was in it, you'd go, well, that was clearly the skinny guy out of that tag team, right? And, I mean, he wasn't fucking huge, but compared to fucking Damien, he was the, the way bigger, you know, dude. So it's strange. He has a completely different look. Um, it's really good to see him back. Um, 
And, yeah, man, he's a bad motherfucker. It was really good to see John Wade Murdoch brought out East. Um, DJ was supposed to bring him in a whole bunch of times. He explained on the show that it really came down to uh, another company was going to book DJ. And when it didn't work out to book DJ, he scrapped the whole thing as far as Mur- Murdoch went. So he wasn't going to he wasn't going to continue to work an angle with that dude on his own terms because it, there was no booking in it for him anymore. So he said fuck it. So, you know, it was another, you know, all about DJ moment. But uh this this Viking Murdoch match was off the hook. It was a uh, fans bring the weapons match. Only thing I didn't like about it was they started off with the baby powder and the guitar spot, and it really fogged that joint out for the whole fucking match. Like, that, that fucking powder was lingering through the whole fucking match, man. Like, even, like, match or two later, dudes would hit the mat, and you'd see the fucking powder come up from the ring, and it was like, oh, was, was that spot really fucking necessary to... I mean, he, he could have fucking... He did the whole thing where he was coming out, doing the heel thing, talking about how he was... He was the weapon, and the fans bring the weapons, but he's no fan, and he brought a weapon, and da-da-da-da, and then turned and got hit with the fucking guitar. I mean, the fans bring the weapons. He could have got hit with any fucking thing. He could have got hit with a tack bat, you know, and fucking gave him that tack crown. Or I mean, you could have hit him with a lot of fucking things that didn't linger for the whole fucking match. But it was what it was, you know. They, they still tore it the fuck up. It wasn't like a, you know, oh, this match sucks now. Like, <laughs> I'm fine with it, you know, but... Yeah, I could have could have done without the fucking building foil powder, but uh, you know, whatever. Uh, next up was uh, Danny Havoc versus Marcus Crane, and everybody knows that Danny Havoc's capable of. Uh, Marcus Crane, I gotta say, is the one guy that a lot of people doubted. A lot of people going into this tournament doubted, including myself, really, uh, only because I had not seen a lot of Marcus Crane previously. Um, I saw him last year in the King of the Death match. He was a dude that, uh, you know, went in there with uh, Nick Gage first round. And Nick just beat the fucking shit out of this dude. So it's, it's really tough to, you know, say what uh, what a guy's capable of when the only thing you've seen him in was a squash. And now he's he's put into this prestigious eight-man tournament, and it's like, shit, you know, uh... <laughs> Does this guy belong in here? Last I saw, he was getting squashed a year ago, and I haven't seen him, you know, setting the world on fire anywhere else. But fuck, man, obviously someone saw, you know, good in him for sure. He went in there against one of the best deathmatch wrestlers in the world, and Danny Havoc, and they just fucking killed it. Absolutely tore it up. Probably my favorite match of the first round, even though I really, really liked those other two a lot. And um, fuck, man. Um, Great, great shit, and I want to see a lot more of Marcus Crane. He's a uh, no Beckham. He, uh, you know, he, he fucking killed it. Um, and also, you know, during the Viking Murdoch match, Viking advanced, but fucked his back up pretty good. So, you know, had a lot of, lot of, you know, issues going on, you know, going forward. He was able to advance. He, you know, he's able to still work, but um, on a really banged up back. Um, so now. Uh, Summers is out of the building, headed to the hospital, going to what would be the second round. Uh, before we go there, I just want to mention these. Uh, I don't know exactly what order they came in or exactly what spots they were played, but I do want to, um, you know, mention that 
they they played two separate videos of tribute. Um, one to J.C. Bailey and Brain Damage. The Brain Damage one came first. But either way, uh, to tribute both of these guys as fallen deathmatch wrestlers that, you know, couldn't be there and this and that. And, you know, neither one of these guys were – you know, recently deceased, but the fact that they went out of their way to, to pay homage to these guys, you know, it, it shows a lot of respect. And, and I really like that. I thought that was really awesome of them to do. And, um, you know, John has always been excellent with that and paying respect to people. Um, and, you know, I think that that's pretty big. Um, so, you know, you know, guys that were out there bleeding for him and, you know, um, you know, and putting on great, great fucking matches in his company. It just shows that he never forgot him. Um, <clears throat> next up, so going into the second round, and Masada comes out, and they announce that, well, you know, he's uh, he, he's going to have a bye because Scott Summers can't, uh, can't perform, and, uh, you know, he can't continue. So, uh, you know, he's going to have a bye. And Zandig's music hits, which, honestly, here's the criticism I have about this situation. Well, number one, obviously, in uh, in the long run, Zandig should have never did that. Because, it, you know, it created a situation where now Zandig was going to work in the finals after knowing he's coming off the fucking roof later in the show. So, I mean, maybe stack the deck a little too high for himself, you know, right off the bat. Now, you know... He's John fucking Zandig, so who's going to tell him that he couldn't do all of those, all of those things, you know, when he said he wanted to? But anyway, um, the other thing that I had an issue with, just, let's just say it, it was all going to work out and Zandig was going to work a ton of matches and all that shit. Um, Masada's being announced as he's going to be the winner. Zandig comes out to stand behind the guy, but before he stands behind Masada, they hit his music so he can come out. Why the fuck would you hit his music? John Zandig didn't need his music to get a pop at that moment. You know, he got a pop at the beginning of the show with the music. I'm sure he got a pop coming out to, you know, the Joey match with the music. But have him just fucking slide in, you know what I mean? Well, you know, come out to the fucking crowd, slide in the fucking ring. You're standing behind him. You think John Zandig's not going to get the fucking response? Of course he is. So <laughs> I just thought, you know, sneaking behind the guy with entrance music is a little silly. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's clearly one entrance, you know, as far as where the wrestlers come through, and that's where he came through. But Masada's looking at the fucking blank wall in the back, you know. <laughs> it was just a little silly. But I was really surprised, man. Fucking Masada went down quick. He fucking caught the spear into the corner from Zandig through the pane of glass. And then uh, Zandig hit the fucking spinning clothesline, and Masada took a fucking flip bump on his fucking neck, man. He fucking, he took that shit like death. That was fucking awesome. Like, there was no, like, not believing that fucking move as a finish because Masada took that shit like fucking, uh, you know, like like fucking Jack Evans takes fucking bumps. You know what I mean? Like, crazy shit. Um, And as he hit, too, I don't know if his shoe caught the pane of glass in the corner, but the pane of glass in the corner, like, exploded as he hit the fucking mat with that bump, too. So it was, it was a cool-ass effect. Um, so Zandy grabs the mic and says, nobody gets a fucking buy in my tournament. Fucking consider yourself out. I'm in. 
I'll see whoever the fuck comes out of here next, you know. So that that's that. Um, then you got uh, Danny Havoc over, like I said, a banged-up Viking in a panes of glass match, and these two fucking killed it too, man. Like, absolutely killed a Viking power through that fucking back injury. And, um, man, great, great shit. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that was that going into the, um, so, so right there, as you, you have it labeled, it, it would have been Havoc versus John Zandig in the finals. But again, man, Zandig had crazy shit planned ahead of him. So, all right. But, um, I guess, you know, Hey man, he, he did it on the fly and, you know, it is what it is. We'll get to the, you know, wrap-up thoughts, you know, after the thing. Um, so now, we play a video thing talking about the uh, Nick Cage Invitational coming in September. And uh, September 4th, I believe. Um, and right following that is fucking Hornswoggle's music. Now, Hornswoggle comes out with that fucking, uh, that dude that plays Poseidon and the fucking Rain Man from the Dark City Fight Club and a couple other motherfuckers. He comes walking out, which these guys are just there to spot him. Um, but he comes out and gets in the ring and starts talking a bunch of shit. And, uh, you know, fucking, he used to be a deathmatch fan, but he doesn't know why. These people are pieces of shit, this and that. You know, he's in the ring with all these panes of glass and shit and uh, barbed wire boards and all this set up for the Zandig Janela match. Um, and uh, fucking, so then Zandig's music hits, and he comes out. And, fuck, man, shock value to see John Zandig in the same ring as uh, fucking Hornswoggles. It's pretty fucking crazy. Um, and I thought, first off, I mean, I thought a couple things were going to happen with Hornswoggle that day, and I thought one of these few things are going to fucking put me as, like, a permanent fan of this motherfucker, and none of those fucking things happened, all right? So, fuck that little motherfucker. I'll get to why. Um, first off, he's surrounded by all the shit with John Zanding in the ring. I'm like, this little motherfucker is going to leave the WWE and take a fucking bump into a barbed wire board or through a pane of glass and some shit. And I'm just like, look, you know, I don't expect this guy to work a deathmatch tournament, but if this little motherfucker takes a bump into some barbed wire or some shit, fresh off the WWE, I got to respect the fuck out of him. Like, like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like, this dude's really stepping up for no fucking reason. He's got to, like, want to do this shit if that's the case, because, you know, he sure as fuck isn't, like, struggling. Like, this dude spent way too many years fucking employed by the WWE. So, anyway, um, you know, he, he gets in there talking. He goes like he's going to leave. Zandig grabs him. Like, oh, moment of truth. You know what I mean? Now, Zandig press slams him over the top rope into, like, fucking six people. I've never seen that many people spot one motherfucker in my life. Um, but, you know, he, he's a midget, so I guess that's, like, falling off of a fucking, uh, like... If, if he hit the floor, that would have been like the Janelle Zandig bump for midgets. You know what I mean? So, um, I guess he needed all those people to spot him because that shit would have been devastating if he hit the floor. Um, so that, that, that's that. Um, is what it is. It's not like, uh, you know, you needed to take that bump. I'm just really kind of confused to why the fuck he was there to begin with. I don't know if that motherfucker was like in the building anyway. 
playing video games or I, I don't know what the fuck, man. I have no idea. Um, because now let me just quick fast forward to after the show. I I was like, look, man, I'm a fucking huge Muppet fan. Little motherfucker was in Muppets Most Wanted. Um, they had a little segment on W on Raw when the Muppets were on there to uh, promote Muppets Most Wanted, and you know he played a good uh, little role on on that segment. And then you know that's when they said, oh, you know he's actually in that movie coming up. And then I found out that the dude is like a giant fucking Muppet fan. I think he's got like Muppet tattoos on his one leg. And uh, my my animal tattoo that's on my arm is better than anything he's got on him as far as his uh, Muppet tattoos go. But I figured, yo, man, I'm going to bomb with this little motherfucker, man. Like, I want to get a picture with him and just, like, real quick, like, I don't need to spend the fucking all night with this dude. But just like, yo, like, no Beckham. Like, I was going to be like, yo, that's awesome. You were in the Muppets Most Wanted. Yo, look, and show him the fucking animal tattoo. And chances are, if he wasn't a dickhead, like he was, he would have went like, oh, shit, you know what I mean, and, and been fucking cool. So I thought, man, like, quick picture with this dude, fucking couple sentences, oh, shit, Muppet fan, yeah, me too, oh, yeah, cool. And, and then we've been like, oh, all right. I asked this motherfucker, can I get a picture? He barely even fucking looks at me, goes, no, 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 sorry, sorry, no, 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 no. And just fucking walks by with his luggage that's bigger than him, dragging his fucking luggage. I wanted to stick him in that fucking luggage and throw him onto the highway. Like, who the fuck is... What the fuck is this dude even here for? The least he can fucking do is... is, I mean, he doesn't need to fucking stand there for three hours taking pictures, but Jesus Christ, there sure as fuck wasn't a line of people waiting to take a fucking picture with him. As far as I knew, it was me. I looked around, there wasn't nobody else waiting for fucking Hornswoggle. You know, I was looking to get pictures with a couple cats, but he was one of my main dudes. I was looking for Zandig, but Zandig was banged up after the shit. Um, hopefully I'll catch him in a tournament of death. Um, but, you know, and I, I was like, I'm waiting for the big guy and the little guy. And I, I want to get fucking Hornswoggle and Xander. And, uh, and this little motherfucker no-sold the shit out of me. I'm like, yo, what the fuck, man? Fuck this little motherfucker. I don't think they live long lives anyway, so it is what it is. Um, and, and the motherfucker will die with more money than I'll ever make in my life, so fuck him. Um... All right, so so on from there, John Zandig, Joey Janela, this shit tore shit down. Um, Janela brought his girl out there, um, some known her as Penelope, DJ Hyde, you know, as um, Ronda Rousey. Um, so she was out there with him, and you know, did some did some spots with him and and everything, and you know, she played a great role in the match. Um, she took like a power bomb into uh, into Janela into the glass in the corner and shit. She worked really really well, you know, within the match. Uh, she did like a kind of like the Sonya Blade from fucking Mortal Kombat, like head scissor joint. And when she she got a uh, you know her legs hooked on Zandig that way, fucking Janela smashed uh, Zandig with the light tube and shit. Like she was holding him there. That shit worked good, you know. Uh, she took big bump and fucking laid there like she was dead and. You know, they continued on with the match. So I, I think her role in it worked real well. Um, and then, they, you know, they moved on from there. And motherfucker, if they didn't go off that roof, man. They uh, they they battled all over the place. Crazy shit. Great fucking match. And uh, battled out to the motherfucking roof. And there's two ladders up there. One to go to the 
the first part of the roof and another ladder to get to the higher part of the roof. And you can guess which one John Zandy went off of. And that is the motherfucking higher part of the roof. Uh, into the bed of his truck that was set up with, um, you know, the, the fucking board, the light tubes, fire, glass, fucking everything you could fucking ask for. Lit on fucking fire and came off with the mother effing bomb, man. And that shit was fucking crazy. Um, now, obviously, you know, going from here, um, well, I'll just say to Joey, um, the only injury that came out of that, which is, is pretty significant, too, is Joey sliced the tendon in his thumb, which, um, you know, fuck, man, taking a bump like that, I mean, it could have been a lot fucking worse. I mean, you're going through glass, and a lot of that glass is pretty unpredictable, touch you any kind of way, and you know, the heights, and, I mean, it's crazy shit, man, um, and, uh, you know, he, he severed a tendon in his thumb, which is, you know, a pretty big deal, and it's gonna keep him out of action for a little while, but, um, you know, Joey's been absolutely fucking killing it everywhere he goes, can you imagine how fucking over that dude's gonna be if he's gone for a couple months, that dude, month in and month out, people didn't see him for fucking 20 days, and they were fucking losing their shit when he came out, his fucking music hit, can you imagine if this dude's gone for a couple of months, what kind of reaction that dude's going to get when he comes back? Fuck, man. Uh, so, yeah, wishing Joey a speedy recovery, man. He's one of my favorite dudes on the fucking Indies. Great fucking dude, you know, personally. And, uh, you know, overall, like I said, one of the most entertaining dudes on the fucking Indies right now. And a guy who, you know, has it all and is most likely going to end up in the fucking WWE one day. You know, I have no... I have no ability to get him there, but he, he damn sure does. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those things that they fucking, they they showed a clip for, you know, this dude's a fucking huge star. some point, it's going to be a flashback to this fucking dude coming off the roof with John Zandig. And, uh, you know, it's great to say, you know, I, I was there for that. You know, it, crazy shit. Um, so, yeah, you know, following that, you know, Zandig wins the match. You know, your respect after the match, the whole deal. And, um, obviously you're going to get the fucking hate. This is the thing these days, man. And I, I had said this when we were talking about the high spots. We were talking about the, uh, the PWG style wrestling and the bitch-ass motherfuckers that go out of their way to tell you what's art and what's not art. And that match didn't have enough rest holds, so that's not art. And, there's not enough psychology in that match, so that's not art, and that's not art. And he's like these fucking low to mid card motherfuckers who have never sold a DVD off a match they had will tell you how fucking scientific their matches are and how fucking perfect their matches make sense and their matches are so much more um, traditional and so much more of an art form than all of the shit that actually sells fucking DVDs. Death matches. Oh no no no, that's not art. Oh fucking Ricochet versus Will Osprey. Oh no no no, that, that's not art. Right. I I got you. It's just you know, people hate what they're not part of. Like whatever isn't their style is all of a sudden the fucking worst thing on the planet. And it's just fucking it's retarded, man. This is why like you know, it, you just gotta go with what you like. It, it's just go with what you like. Enjoy it. And fuck everybody else. You know what I mean? They, 
you're going to get people that never, ever understand what you like. You know? I mean, there's a lot of shit that I don't like the entire genre of. But I don't keep fucking showing up to it or going on their fucking forums and being like, oh, yeah, fucking, you know, uh, punk music still sucks. Like, I don't give a shit, man. I don't listen to it. So what the fuck am I going to keep showing up places and letting them know that uh, I think it sucks? It just, it isn't my deal. So uh, it is what it is, man. Um, but so that that's that. Um, fucking insane bump. Big shout out to both of those fucking dudes for taking that crazy ass risk. And um Yeah, man. Fucking awesome stuff. Um I'll go back to that a little bit in a minute after you know, the finals ended up being well John's end it couldn't continue because fuck man, he just came off the goddamn roof through everything under the sun. Um so uh they brought out the guys who still could fucking do it in uh, Marcus Crane, John Wayne Murdoch, Brian Woods, with the one guy that won all of his matches to get there, Danny Havoc. Um, this was labeled a uh, 666 light two match. That shit was ne- that again. Like my deal is like. I'm not saying that you need to do 666 light tubes, but just don't call it that if that's not what you're going to do. I think that's an insane amount of light tubes to even attempt. Um, I've seen, you know, the 200 light tube matches have a shitload more light tubes than they used in there. So I don't even think it was 200. Um, I've seen 400 light tube matches that they did in Japan that you can't even see the dudes in the ring. Because those ropes are, like, so tightly fucking, like, like, it's completely blocked off. It's like a solid-ass wall of light tubes end-to-end all the way across the ropes on every side where you can't see, like, a crack of fucking light coming through. And that's, like, that's with fucking all those on the fucking ropes plus, like, bundles of fucking light tubes in the ring. That That's, like, the the Japan, you know, I've seen the 400 light tubes there. 666, I mean, it, it's near impossible to do. I mean, I, I guess you can do it, but it would be blatantly obvious that it's more light tubes than you've ever seen in the match. And that, this wasn't that. Again, I don't give a fuck. I, you know, no hate about it. Just don't call it that, for Christ's sake, you know? Crazy, crazy fucking main event. You know, for three guys who didn't know that they were going to be in another match, they went out there and fucking killed it, man. Barbed wire nets, fucking light tubes everywhere. Just fucking killed it. Awesome, awesome uh, final. Um, and, and just overall awesome show. This is the thing, man. All these injuries, all these substitutions, all these things that nobody, including the people running the show, knew was going to happen. And it still came off as an amazing, fucking entertaining show from top to bottom. You know what I mean? That is the talent of somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing. You know, not just somebody that books a card and then when some shit goes awry, go, well, what can you do? Circumstances beyond our control. It is what it is. And then, like, the fans get kind of fucked. Fans didn't get fucked at all in this one, man. Like, regardless of, you know, who ended up not being able to continue or who, you know, what what turned out not the way that it was planned, the fucking show was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um... Another thing I want to talk about, 
And um, I, I think it personally, I don't agree with it at all. I, I think it's very stupid. And, and I, um, I've seen people comment to to um, Ricky O and to and to Danny Demano about it, and they they seem to think that it's all right and. There's other ways to sell DVDs and this and this. I personally think it's fucking dumb. I do not think that you should put out clips of the biggest fucking spot. I, I really, really don't, man. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm fucking crazy, but I, I know what the fuck. I, I can tell you straight up people who will not buy it because they've seen that. Will not. And, you know, some companies go out of their way to fucking make sure that nobody's fucking filming. GCW does not do that shit, man. I've seen fucking 12 fucking different angles of that fucking roof bump. You know what I mean? It made me think, like, what the fuck, man? I should have recorded this shit instead of taking two pictures of my camera. I got one, you know, coming off the roof in midair, and then I, I, I had another one where they fucking, you know, hit the fucking glass and it exploded. And it was cool, but shit, man, I like a little fucking video clip that I took. <laughs> like, made me think that I'm so used to, like, not doing that shit because I've never been, like, a film when I'm not supposed to type of dude. And they just really don't frown upon it there. And, um, look, man, I, I don't know, man. I know it hurts your fucking DVD sales. I know. Now, imagine, I know it's hard to control. I know it's hard to control, but imagine if the only people who saw that bump were the people there and they left there talking about it. And all the fucking buzz was that bump, that bump, that bump, that bump. How many fucking DVD sales do you think you get out of that? I think quite a fucking bit. But if everybody saw that fucking bump from five angles on everything from fucking ESPN to fucking Facebook... Do you think you sell less or more or, or the same? Do you really think you sold the same? You know, and, and uh, you know, the, the Ricky O and Danny had said, like, oh, you know, there's other spots and other, you know, moments in the show that are going to sell DVDs. I, I don't think you understand, man. If you take the absolute biggest selling point and give it away, there's no way you get the same amount of sales. There's no way, man. I mean, if you don't want to make money, I don't give a fuck, man. I'm enjoying the show while I'm there, you want to leak the shit out all over the place for free, that, that's on you. But just like when, when UFC sells the fucking the fight for $60, and like 10 minutes after that fucking fight's over, the whole thing is on fucking Facebook. Just streaming on fucking Facebook. And now they're still selling the fucking replay the next day for $60. And without even wanting to, without even searching for it online, I could scroll down my timeline and watch Ronda Rousey get knocked the fuck out. Scroll down and it's like, just post it. And you don't even have to click on it. You know, it has the thing on Facebook where you just like scroll down and if it's on like the middle of your screen, it starts playing without sound and shit. So I was just seeing her get knocked the fuck out without even wanting to fucking see the shit. <laughs> like, you got to just scroll faster to avoid the shit. How many people you really think bought that fucking replay for $60? If that was not fucking available all over Facebook, I know, okay, this is this is a harder thing to control for the UFC. It's easier for the for the GCWs of the world because it's not an eye pay-per-view. 
So there's no, like, piracy as far as that stuff goes yet, you know, until the DVD's released and people rip it and whatever the fuck. Um, there, there's nothing else out there. There's fucking, there's word of mouth that's going to spread like fucking wildfire when people hear about this shit. But there's people within the fucking company that are filming and fucking posting it. And hey, man, I don't know exactly what the fucking purpose is. I love Larry Legend, man. He's the best fucking ring announcer in the fucking business as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what the fucking purpose of him running around fucking um, no, periscoping half the fucking show. I had somebody actually tell me. I watched most of the show on Larry's Periscope. It looked, you know, it was a good show. Said it as if he saw the fucking show. Like, he still wasn't like, I can't wait till the DVD come out. He's like, yeah, it was a good show. I watched most of it on Larry's Periscope. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, fuck it. Fuck it, right? And I know he didn't Periscope the whole fucking show. But enough where a couple motherfuckers thought, yeah, I pretty much saw that. Shit, man. That's, I mean, that to me is not a good look. Uh, it's not a good look, man. But, if I mean, if if you guys are letting that shit go on and that's how y'all roll, I don't give a fuck, man. It's not my money. I just I like to see people who put on entertaining shit be successful. That's what I like to see. I like to see people who fucking knock it out of the park like you guys just did, who fucking, you know, motherfuckers put their ass on the line. Some people end up with injuries. Some people go in fucking working double duty even though they ain't playing on it subbing in, doing this, busting their fucking ass for the fans. I like to see that shit pay dividends. I, I like to see that shit paid back by some people making some fucking money off of that product. But, it, I mean, if that's not what the fuck y'all want to do, then, then, I mean, it is what it is. I just don't agree with it. You know what I mean? So, alright, uh, that, that that's pretty much it as far as the uh, tournament of survival. Like I said, overall... Very, very successful. I was extremely happy with the motherfucker, man. And uh, good fucking luck to DJ Hyde to top that shit on fucking Saturday. I, I'll be there. I, I will motherfucking be there. Um, let me see. I guess, shit, I don't have the fucking CDW page up on my, uh, up on my deal here. Let me see. Grab a fucking grip. Alright. Play this shit real quick. We'll be right back. Yeah. Yo, listen. My gun popped. Somebody died, nigga. Your gun popped. Somebody lied, motherfucker. Niggas sell more, more. I don't give a fuck. When I see them niggas, them niggas give it up. Uh, respect due, respect given. Peep the chest moves, huh? The best writings. Bars better than y'all, the barbarian. Bars bitch like, baby shit, get your shit right. You can't fuck with Ruck, Ruck. You can't fuck with Buck, Buck. I give my brother's keeper. Please believe it's stuck. I give shots sprayed, hit niggas, the gun spit. I'm not playing with niggas, not one bit. Gun drawn, gun drawn. I think trouble near me. Uh-huh. Kill your seed, elegy, fucking double dead me. Showing deposits that pay my advantage. Throw it in the closet and spray like carry. 
The power of praise compels you. Fucking cow with the powder that's white can sell too. Brownsville niggas remembering rocks. I sold crack for Wayne, made ten off a buck. Swear to God, boss. Strike me if I'm lying, ain't no fear in Sean Boss. Bad crack in the basement, shot niggas on camera. Black entertainment, motherfucker. Is it true? Is it true? All right. Yo, another thing I got to say, man, is I'm finally starting to get fucking recognition, man. And I you know, I don't want no congratulations because I, I believe, like, it should be a lot fucking more than it is. But I got, like, nothing for fucking years, man. I've done this shit for six years now. You know, coming up on six years. Um, I, I don't know, man. Like, I'm finally starting to get, man. I'm talking about the shit y'all watching. And uh, in a unique way where I know that, like, there's not a lot of people who cover shit the way I do. You know, there's a lot of copy and paste, read off the fucking uh, website, this and this, and, and not genuine feelings on shit. There, there's some out there that do some good shit, but uh, there's a lot of bullshit-ass podcasts out there, and uh, ones that haven't been doing it nearly as long as me, and even the ones you have, some of them shouldn't, shouldn't have to begin with. Um, you know, just boring garbage, man, copy and paste. But, uh, I don't know. I'm starting to actually get people who fucking just, I never fucking met them before, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're the dude that does the thing. Yeah, listen to that. That's good shit. And you can't even, I can't even put into words how much I appreciate that shit that people listen, man. Because it's just been like, you know, you could see some numbers here and there. They're like, oh, people are listening. But, like, it's like ghosts are fucking listening because you never hear another word about the shit that you do. I talk for hours and hours and hours, and... Yeah, I mean, someone's listening, but I don't know how the fuck they feel one way or another about it. And, uh, you know, moving on. And, uh, you know, it's really nice to be able to, you know, actually talk about, you know, some shit that I've done on this show. And, oh, I like this show. And, oh, that was really good when, you know, this. Or, you know, I I disagree with you about this. Or I agree with you about that. Or, you know, that was funny. Or this was good. Or that guest was great. You know. Whatever, man. I enjoy it all. I love the fucking feedback, positive, negative, whatever you want. Um, obviously, too much negative is gonna piss me off. But <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, like, I, I'm fine with negative. You know, whatever. But I mean, if it's too negative, you probably shouldn't be listening. But um, yeah, man. I I enjoy it, and it's finally starting to at least kick in a little bit where people, you know. Holler at me the show or you know message me and say hey by the way I like I, I really really appreciate it um yeah I, I'm a loud mouth tell it like it is motherfucker but like you know I'm I'm pretty fucking humble when it comes down to it um you know you talk to me on the real you know that you know I, I'm not the type of dude to just be a jerk off for no reason um most people earn that shit you know or or there's a reason why I don't like you or something but I'll usually tell you. If you ask. Um, anyway, tournament is uh, coming up this Saturday. Uh, they they have large shoes to fill with this fucking tournament. Survival just went down. First round, you got a light two match of Danny Havoc and Alex Colon. And this is a rematch of something that they did in Ohio where they tore it the fuck up, man. 
Um, Danny Havoc and Alex Cologne absolutely killed it in Ohio in a match. You know, um, I forget what the stipulations were, but there was a couple tubes, and you know, there was some definite hardcore shit. It was a definite, you know, death match. So this is going to be fucking crazy, and um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that match a lot. Um, another match, uh, I think, I think is going to be pretty fucking good is Ricky Shane Page versus Tim Dons. And, um, you know, Tim Dons, I'm not a huge fan of Tim Dons. In hardcore situations, he really, really steps up and shines. So I I think this is going to actually be pretty fucking good. Uh, I think it's going to surprise a lot of people because a lot of people don't expect it to be good. Um, Ricky Shane Page has tore shit up since he's got here. Uh, he has just fucking murdered shit since the last tournament of death when he showed up and wrestled Havoc. Uh, so I think this is going to be really good. And, um, yeah, this is uh, Don's choice as far as the uh, stipulations. I don't know what that's going to be all about. Uh, next up, you got Matt Tremont versus Jeff Cannonball. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I really uh, – this is a home run derby match. I'm not a Jeff Cannonball fan, man. I'm just not. Um, I, I, I think he's very limited. He's a very nice dude. Um, at least he has been. I mean, he hears enough of the shit. I say he probably ain't going to be a nice dude, but it is what it is. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just not a fan. I think he's very limited. Um, you know, he's one of those kind of like he could take all the fucking punishment in the world, but, you know, limited as far as mobility and, uh, you know, ability to actually do shit in the ring. I've seen this fucking match before. They had a Taipei fucking joint in fucking on point, and I wasn't thrilled by that. So seeing Tremont versus Cannonball, this is like, okay, another one back to the well, and I'm just not, you know, he was taking brutal fucking chair shots to the head, brutal fucking crazy chair shots to the head. That, to me, was the highlight of the match. Um, I, I don't know. I, just just not not my, my type of... Um, not my type of dude as far as, uh, you know, death matches go. Um, Connor Claxton versus Masada. Now, you know, as we said, Masada, one of the best death match wrestlers in the world. Uh, Connor Claxton is weird, man, because Connor, when he first got in there, he just said some kind of shit about it. Like he started, uh, just not caring and stuff. And maybe that was, you know, what happened at that point. Um, I know the the first three matches he had with the um, Nation of Intoxication, the Nation of Intoxication uh, Deathmatch Trial Series, and those were fucking insane. You saw these matches and were like, this fucking guy is, is the next fucking Nick Mondo. This dude is, you know, this dude is fucking dying in this fucking ring. The, you know, the Danny Havoc match. He had, like, the fucking wife beater back finishing that shit and just fucking rocking it out. You know what I mean? He went into the tournament of death with a fucking shirt on in the fucking heat and worked all the way through the finals with a shirt on. Like, and I'm not one of these, like, take your shirt off, pussy guys. Like, whatever, man. I ain't fucking jumping into fucking light tubes or wear whatever the fuck you need to wear. You know what I mean? But, like, he wore no shirt all the way up the tournament of death and then put a shirt on. That's that's when it looks like shit, you know what I mean? Um, you know, Gage always wore a shirt. Now now he doesn't because, you know, he's, he's a prison, prison body and shit. But, um, you know, he always wore a shirt. Fuck it, man. I mean, who the fuck was doing what Nick Gage was doing? Who the fuck if he's wearing a shirt? 
but he didn't like not wear a shirt and get the tournament of death and put the shirt on. You know, I mean, and that's that's what Connor did in like his performance at tournament of death. Man, he went through three rounds and it was nowhere fucking near what we had seen leading up to it. So I got kind of like a bad taste in my mouth as far as that goes. But hey, hey man, this dude clearly has the capability to tear shit the fuck down and do death matches to a high fucking level. Well, we are full circle. Back to Tournament of Death and first round up against one of the baddest motherfuckers in the world in Masada. Barbed wire madness. So let's, let's see what it's about, man. Uh, non-tournament action. We got Devin Moore and his Devin Moore Invitational Scaffold Match up against Dale Patrick. This is a guy who was fucking sitting sideline last year, not even fucking booked. Just drove there with Josh Crane last year and fucking sat there and watched the whole tournament. Talented as fuck. So, uh, this will be good. This will definitely be good. Dale Patrick is great. He should be in the fucking tournament. Um, This next one is fucking weird to me because they did the big build with John Zandig, DJ, John Zandig, DJ, see you in Delaware, fucking see you in Delaware, I'll fucking kill you, this and that. DJ takes the, I'll fucking, you know, I'll, uh, uh, I'll take myself out of the tournament to give you your spot, Cannonball, but then you owe me something, blah, 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 blah. But then immediately books himself in a match against Josh Crane, which makes zero sense. Like, the match booking against Josh Crane, there was no lead-in to that. There was no reason for that. He took himself out of the tournament and then put him in a match that had zero actual sense behind it. There was no explanation. There was just, oh, I'm in a painted class match with Josh Crane, which is fucking stupid. Now... Zandig, you know, they have the thing lined up to do the thing with this. Now, as far as I'm concerned, um, as soon as, and they gave it away, as soon as they went into the, the, okay, he's booked against Josh Crane, you know, the most we're going to get is like a a fucking run-in by Zandig, a couple spots or something. I mean, we're not going to get an all-out Zandig fucking DJ match. They're going to draw this shit out to fucking Cage of Death, most likely. Tangled Web to Cage of Death. Most likely Cage of Death, which it is what it is. Um, following tournament that DJ is not getting me to a single fucking CCW show till possibly next best of the best. Um, and if best of the best is booked good the next year, then, then I'll probably show up for that. But I don't think there's a thing under the fucking sun that he could book that's going to get me to Cage of Death. Um, John Zandig versus DJ is not getting me to Cage of Death. I don't want to see DJ wrestle. I don't want to see DJ wrestle. I don't give a fuck if Jesus Christ comes down and he's going to he's gonna fucking put the wrath of God on DJ. I don't give a fuck. I don't want to see DJ in the ring. That's not going to get me in the building. That's it. I, I've seen enough of this shit. There is now four fucking shows lined up for uh, GCW combined with John Zandig, if you count the Nick Gage Invitational, which is more a Gage slash GCW deal. And then there's two Jersey All-Pro shows. So as far as I'm concerned, I went from probably not attending another wrestling show this year to six wrestling shows. 
I have zero reason to show up to another CCW show. Zero. That's it, man. And uh, this, this, like I said, was fucking nonsensical. And I'm glad Xander will be there. That's fucking awesome. But this is another situation where DJ pays no fucking attention to detail. And if he wanted to do a match against Josh Crane and he wanted to continue a fucking storyline, he didn't need to put it on paper. DJ Hyde versus anybody, especially, like, you know, no offense to Josh Crane, but Josh Crane is not booking, is not, um, is not drawing. Tournament of Death in itself is drawing. So Josh Crane, whether you put his name on the card or not, isn't going to draw any more fans. Now, having said that, all right, last year you had Dale Patrick's fucking ride in the car, and, well, you didn't have him do that, but he rode in the car with Josh Crane, and he sat on the sideline not booked. This year you got Dale Patrick's booked. So let's say Josh Crane is coming with him, right? Storyline-wise, let's have fucking Zandig's music hit and say, hey, motherfucker, you know, hey, you know, you think I'm going to come out here and just fucking beat the shit out of you and, you know, make you fucking famous in your, you, you know, your grandma's backyard? I got an idea for you. I told you I'm going to fucking fix things in this company. And I keep an eye on, uh, on the, you know, the thing that I built. I noticed last year you had this fucking guy, Dale Patrick, you know, sitting on the sideline. You know, look what he could fucking do. Let this be after the match that he had with, uh, with Devin. Like, look at this fucking kid just did. You had that fucking guy sitting on the sideline. And didn't you have Josh Crane booked in Tournament of Death last year and he got a Please Come Back chant? How come that guy's fucking standing over there? You know what, motherfucker? Why don't you, you're going to run this company. You're going to be the big, bad fucking DJ. You want to spot, you know, you want to fucking take people's, uh, you know, flights to Japan. You want to do this. You want to do that. Why don't you fucking wrestle that kid? Boom. Fucking Josh Crane versus DJ, and now it makes sense. John Zandig pressured him to fucking book the guy he wasn't going to book who was sitting on the sideline like, like Patrick's did last year. Now it makes fucking sense. The same thing you were going to do. That's what I tried to explain to DJ. I'm not telling you, hey, book the Young Bucks every month because that's what I want to see. I'm saying book whoever you want to book. Now make it make sense. Book whatever matches you want to book. Now make it make sense. You can't fucking do that. You have zero attention to detail, and you just want to go, DJ versus Josh Crane, fucking Bob, paint a glass match, and I guess Zandig will be there and stuff too. And it's like, uh, what the fuck is all of that? What is that? So I don't know. That That's what's happening. So, um, master storyteller, fucking DJ Hyde. This dude watches fucking Disney movies all fucking day, you know, goes to fucking Disney parks all over the fucking country, and he can't pick up one fucking story. You can't pick up one fucking storyline. Dude's watching fucking fairy tales all day and can't put one fucking storyline to make sense together. All right. Um, then you got a Rockstar Pro Deathmatch, which is Ron Mathis and Aaron Williams going one-on-one. So it's going to be entertaining. Uh, they also have Eat the Turnbuckle, the metal thing, uh, playing. So there's that, which I don't care about I'm gonna go to the car and eat a fucking quarter of a sub or something while that's going on I'm not a metal guy but um yeah man um this is gonna be a great time you know I I have my criticism about the booking as I always do with CZW because 
I, I was there when it was way better and, and it made a lot more sense and it had that element of danger like fucking like the tournament of survival did. And um you know, it's it's just not the same as it was. Um and I see something booked here and it's like what the fuck is that? Freelance versus CZ Freelance Wrestling versus C Z W is going on in uh Chicago, Illinois, on July Friday, July ninth. I don't know what the fuck freelance wrestling is. And then in Ohio is their July show, which is Saturday, July ninth. Um, so I guess the eighth and then the ninth. Um, so yeah, there's that. But anyway, uh, you know, we'll talk more about that later. But uh. So yeah, that's that. Um, Tournament of Death is always fucking fun. Always. Every fucking year, I, I immensely enjoy Tournament of Death. Last year was one of the worst Tournament of Deaths ever, and I still had a great fucking time at the show. It's one of those shows you're just going to have a fucking great time. All these other death matches and death match tournaments and all this shit, and the, DJ's got a hard fucking, uh, you know, hard uh, show to top, hard act to follow. So I was looking for. Um, you know, but it is what it is, man. Like I said, it will be a great time on Saturday. Weather's looking good as far as I can see right now. We got a couple of days away, so hopefully we won't get any you know, drastic changes. I think it's supposed to be like 85. Um, and then a week from Saturday, I got my Battle Frog Extreme race, man. That's going to be a bad motherfucker. So I'm training my ass off for that shit, and um, I can't fucking wait. Uh, I got two races left this season, and I'm fucking killing both of them doing every fucking thing I can to train for this shit, and, um, yeah, man, going in, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much that, um, I'll be a tournament of death, anyone wants a fucking, uh, I'm a John Zandig guy shirt, I still got them left, um, you know, I, this is, uh, when I get, when I get these out of here, I'm not a t-shirt guy, this is, you know, I, I get this run out, this is it. This is all, you know, my intention going into these shirts was previous to John Zandig's return or any of that stuff. I want to get his fucking name back out there. There was way too much fucking revisionist history going on as far as the old CZW was death matches only and da 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 and DJ made CZW better and all that. There was way too much of that shit going on. And month in and month out, I'd watch this fucking CZW product. And, hey, man, there's some good shit in there, but to just fucking tell these lies to people that this is better, this is better, it's always going to be better, back then it wasn't really as good. And and I just wanted to fucking make a statement. DJ was so high on himself, and you had a couple of the old school people around, but, you know, there was just a real revisionist history being written. There wasn't enough attention to what the fucking company was built off of. All most of the fucking titles have been fucking sold off and switched and fucking everything. Just anything that had history was just diminished. And fucking legends being forgotten like fucking Trent Acid. Yeah, I mean, still not in the fucking Hall of Fame. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, well he's gonna be in the Hall of Fame, you know? Now, all of a sudden, after I fucking harped on it and harped on it and harped on it, now next year, he's probably going to go in. Fuck out of here, man. You know, he just hasn't gotten around to it, he said. But he got around to fucking putting himself in as a fucking angle. Get out of here, dude. You know, 
But I wanted to make a fucking statement. I wanted to make a shirt that said, I'm a fucking John Zander guy. Obviously, you know, following up on the I'm a Paul Heyman guy shirt that was all over TV and, you know, really, you know, made a big impact with that. Um, so I said, I want to make my own fucking version of that. A fucking bloody fucking I'm a John Zander guy. And then, the, you know, the fucking, uh, and I want to make this shirt cool as fuck. Because, you know, that's the thing, too. I, I know this shit cost me fucking money. Uh, you know, not, I'm not going to get into exact figures or anything because, frankly, I don't fucking remember. But I, uh, the, first, the first run I bought, I bought two runs. And the first run I bought uh, cost me well over $200. I didn't sell a fucking quarter of them, not even a fucking quarter of them. And what I did sell out of quick is I only got, like, maybe three double X and three triple X or something. And I had a couple people that were looking for those. So maybe I sold those six and then like a fucking, uh, an extra large and a large or something. Like I'm lucky if I sold 10 shirts, you know, um, off the initial run. Well, all I kept getting was, do you have double X? Do you have triple X? Do you have four X? Do you have da, 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 da? And I'm like, motherfucker, I have people who want these shirts and I only have fucking large and extra large. You have medium, I'm getting them on fucking medium. Really? You can't fit in a fucking large? No, no, that's fucking crazy. Oh, Jesus Christ. So I said, fuck it, man. I'm going to throw myself further into the fucking hole and spend another 200 something dollars that just focuses on the fucking bigger sizes, 2X to 4X. And that's what I did. And I don't have a tremendous amount of those either, but, but I did get those fucking sizes and a couple mediums. Um, so again, another 200 something dollars. So I'm fucking 400 something dollars into these shirts. Believe me, I know what the fucking, I, I know what the fucking people are spending. And I see a lot of these fucking wrestlers that are out there charging 25 fucking dollars for a one-sided, one-color fucking shirt. Come on, man. I know I spent more on my fucking dual-sided, dual-fucking-colored fucking shirts. And you motherfuckers are trying to make, like, fucking $18 for every shirt you sell? That shit is greedy as fuck, man. It's crazy because there's no way you're getting charged for one side or one color. There's no way you're getting charged more than fucking $6 for a shirt. And then you're tacking on fucking $18 fucking dollars? You know what I mean? Eighteen, nineteen fucking dollars for your profit? Come on, man. You can't make a fucking you can't make fucking fifteen dollars or thirteen dollars per shirt. That's fucking crazy. So anyway, I, I, I still, you know, I still was getting a lot of people like fucking twenty, I don't know, man. Like I gotta I gotta wait till I get paid and I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Are you guys really debating a twenty dollar shirt price? That's pretty much what they all cost. So anyway. I, I, I'm charging fucking 20 for the Forexes, too. So even though they obviously cost more, it is what it is, man. I'm not a T-shirt company. It was something I wanted to do out of my own fucking, you know, passion for what I was thinking and what I was believing in, in, in my favorite fucking product. And, of course, you know, throw my fucking show name on it, too, because I wanted to link back to me. I wanted to, to go back to me, promote my shit a little bit, and remind motherfuckers who brought this shit up. You know, and... For for this thing to be followed with an actual return of John Zandig, I I mean that's <laughs> it couldn't have fucking worked out better. 
because, you know, this was clearly what I was hoping for when I was fucking thinking back to, you know, I'm a John Zander guy. This is the type of shit I was fucking thinking about. And, and here it is, right back in front of us. And now you motherfuckers can understand why I'm a John Zander guy. Maybe y'all motherfuckers are going to be too. And that, that, that's what it is. So, look, uh, plugs. Um my my friends over there at the Hot Tag tonight have um, John Zandig and DJ on the show, apparently. So I'm I'm looking forward to hearing that. I'm doing this, so I can't hear that, but I will. And uh, and actually, uh, later in the week, they're stepping their guest up quite a bit from from John Zandig to uh, Jacob. No, no, I'm just saying, but. No fucking around um yeah actually i'm gonna be on their show later this week they do like fucking 18 shows a week so i'm on their friday edition i think we're gonna record something tomorrow night and i'll be on their friday edition i don't even know what we're talking about but you know i'll talk about whatever on there and uh you know hopefully hopefully it'll be decent all right so uh there's that check those guys out as always um uh my friend uh andrew carluck you know from stern nation he uh, is actually doing an Artie, Artie Quitter Nation. Uh, it's called Quitter Nation. It's it's uh, like a wrap-up show on the Artie Quitter podcast. Anyone likes Artie Lang, you listen to the Artie Lang show, you want something that's somewhat of a continued discussion of the Artie Lang show, uh, go right over to Quitter Nation. And I think it's the Star Nation feed over there at the uh, Facebook and you can go on there, and you'll find it all right there. And uh, good dude. Um, and then the sports den. Uh, they they uh, talk about all sports under the sun. I'm sure they're going to have a lot to talk about with, uh, you know, the passing of Muhammad Ali and, and then, uh, of course, Kimbo Slice as well. And uh, basketball playoffs in full fucking swing. I don't even know what the fuck's going on. I'm going to have to click that shit on. Uh, LeBron, man, he got his ass whooped in fucking two games. I'm I'm hoping if this shit goes down bad for LeBron, he takes his talents back to South Beach. Sorry, Cleveland. It's just never going to happen for you guys. And, uh, you know, you throw a couple more fucking rings on Miami. You know what I mean? People already hate him, so it is what it is, motherfucker. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think that's it. I think I got everything. Uh, plugged everything. I was going to plug, uh, like I said, Jersey All Pro. Tickets go on sale Friday. Uh, get those for the October 1st show. Um, Trent Acid Qualifier for the Trent Acid Cup is coming in August. And then uh, I think the Trent Acid Cup's in October. So. A lot of big shit coming down. Um, another deathmatch tournament from John Zandig coming in December as well. So, hey, man, it shit's on fire this year. This is a great fucking year for wrestling. Um, check out whatever you want to, man. There's something out there for everybody. We'll go watch that shit. Uh, I'll check you motherfuckers out next week. Peace. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. 
soft. What I make you? Good? You're not good. You just know how to hide. How to lie. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth. Even when I lie. Say goodnight to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no food.